Amen. All right. I'm glad you're here this morning. Would you do me a favor? We've got some visitors here today in house. Would you would you be really friendly? Try to smile and, and turn to the person next to you and say, I'm so glad you're here today. Go ahead and do that, all right? Just let them know you're glad they're in the house of the Lord this morning. get greeted is, is there anyone who did not get greeted anybody who did not get greeted want to make sure nobody's left out all right you may be seated thank you for being in the house of the Lord today <clears throat> certainly glad to have you with us this morning and for those of you that are watching by way of Facebook or YouTube thank you so much for tuning in we pray that you'll get a blessing out of the service today and pray that you'll come back and be with us here in the services very, very soon. All right, if I can have your attention just for a moment, all you who are first-time guests, would you please take one of these cards in the seat back in front of you and fill it out so we have a record of your visit. Then at the end of you, and on the back, you can put on prayer requests, you can ask questions, whatever it is you need, however we can help you. Uh, for example, we can add names to the prayer list, like Elliot Rock needs to be put on the prayer list, be having a procedure tomorrow, so we need to be praying for him. If you have a special need, you write that out down, and then turn it in in the very back. Um, there's, a, there's a box to the left of the double doors that our members put their tithes and offerings in, but as a visitor, all we ask that you do is to turn in your uh, connection card, and we'll have a record of your visit, and we're so glad to have you here this morning. Today, preaching on the Holy Armor of God. Tuesday, leadership team dinner at our home, 6 p.m. We'll be going over the 2022 budget, the Lord willing. Saturday, we're having our men's breakfast back here at First Baptist Church. Been, it's been, what, 18, 19, 20 months, something like that, since we've had it right here. So we're going to have it here. Uh, those of you that can help at 7 a.m., be here, please. We need to do some teardown and setup and, and actual cooking. Uh, we're going to have a great breakfast, so everybody come, all you guys come, we'd love to have you here. The breakfast is at 8 o'clock, helpers be here at 7 o'clock. Next Sunday, uh, be preaching on the announcement. It's also a communion Sunday, and then that afternoon, Julie Burkhardt, our, own, our secretary, and Nicole Malcolm uh, will be playing in a, in a, uh, in a concert uh, in Spring Valley at 3.30 uh, next Sunday afternoon. So, Julie, do we have the information up on? It'll be in the bulletin, I know, uh, but do we have it up there? So we got the address and everything, so uh, that'd be a great thing to do. Then check out your bulletin for several of the Bible studies held throughout the week. For the military, we got a new ministry that we're doing with the military. We're going to have lunch every Sunday after uh, services for military. Uh, so, and Ryan will be taking care of that, Ryan and Hope. And uh, so if you're in the military, that qualifies you uh, for a free lunch today. So I hope you'll take advantage of that. And then on Tuesday nights, uh, they have the Navigator meeting here at 6 p.m.? 6 p.m. <clears throat> every Tuesday night. So I hope you'll come and, and participate in that, bring people with you as well. Christmas gifts for the kids in Tijuana are coming in, uh, and we have those uh, in the office, in the back in Julie's office. And in fact, um, 
we have a video that we're going to show, right? Did you want to say something too, or are we okay on that? Or? Okay, so every child has some gifts coming. December 12th is the due date for bringing the presents in. I know several brought them in today, and they're in Julie's office. So thank you for, and thank you all for responding so well. Let's go ahead and watch the video, if we could do that. Thank you so much for having a part in that. Thank you, Fitz and the Gap, for taking that up each year and, and giving us the opportunity to be a blessing to them. Uh, also, Christmas caroling at Pacific Point Senior Living on 171 4th Avenue. We need to put that, Julie, in the bulletin also for this coming week and, uh, and the connections. Uh, and it'd be December the 11th at uh, possibly right at 11 to 2 p.m. Uh, and one of our friends will be playing the violin. Fred Snyder will be playing as they go caroling. So if you're interested in caroling at the uh, senior living home, then that'll be, that information will be forthcoming again so you'll remember it. Also, one other very important thing, <clears throat> we're called to be good stewards. And every January, we talk about stewardship of time, talent, and treasure. We'll be doing that this coming January as well. But in addition, um, are we good stewards of that which we have once we're gone? You say, well, how do you do that? By making arrangements, by uh, planning our states. And so we have a gentleman that's going to be with us who will do uh, free estate planning. Uh, if you're interested in that, I need you to fill out one of those connection cards. It'll be at the end of uh, January. So they have uh, wills they can provide, trusts. I think there is a charge for that. Uh, I'm not certain about that, but uh, we'll find out. It's with the Southern Baptist Convention. 
so it'll be coming down from Fresno. So if you need a will reviewed, if you want to get a new one, if you want to have a trust, uh, if you're interested in that, fill out one of the connection cards with your name and your phone number so that we can contact you or your email address, and we'll make sure to include you in that. All right, one more thing. A soldier is. A soldier is a person involved in military activity, one who's trained for war. The word soldier appears in the Bible quite frequently, along with several synonymous terms. Special attention should be drawn to the phrase, men who drew the sword, since the action identifies the soldier's primary function, which is combat and symbolizes warfare in general. Warriors are equipped with a variety of offensive and defensive weapons. The Hebrew nation had no professional soldiers until the establishment of the monarchy in about 11 BC. Abraham's trained men were obviously skilled warriors, but they were recruited from his household. The Hebrew conquest of Canaan in 13 to 12 BC was accomplished by tribal militias of adult males from each of the 12 tribes. The Levites were not counted among those who were able to go forth to war, but they offered reassurance to soldiers before battles. The beginning of a standing army in Israel may be seen in the special force that Saul gathered in 1 Samuel chapter 13. David continued this process by developing his famous bodyguard of mighty men and by making a census of the Israelites a necessary step in the establishment of a national army. Therefore, the professional soldier was the norm, or thereafter rather. Because the Roman Empire was maintained by military power, the Roman soldier was a common sight in New Testament times, even in Israel. Soldiers were involved in the arrest and the crucifixion of our Savior. After Paul was arrested in Jerusalem, he was frequently in the company of soldiers, sometimes being chained to them, actually. The apostle used the word soldier, and this is the intent of the message today, to describe his co-workers in Philippians 2 and Philemon chapter 1. Today, we're studying about the Christian soldier's armor. Be sure of this, folks. We are in a war. And it's becoming, I think, more obvious every day that we are in a warfare. It's not a, uh, I'll say this in the message, but it's not a Sunday school picnic. It's not a walk in the park. It is absolute spiritual warfare. And just like physical warfare can be deadly and is, uh, is difficult, so the Christian walk and the Christian life and the Christian warfare is as well. So we need to be prepared. And I want you to pay special attention. We talk about, you've probably heard about the Christian armor. Maybe you've done a, a, an extensive study about it. This won't be extensive on each piece of the armor, but it'll be a one that helpful, hopefully will help us to realize we need to be ready for the spiritual battles that face us because they're coming uh, ever more frequently every single day. All right, let's stand again as we worship the Lord in song.
at a loss for words. And the funny thing is, it's okay. Last thing I need is to be heard, but to hear what you would say, words of God speak, would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God speak. Finding myself. Father, we do want you to be in this place. It's not a holy place unless you're here. So, God, we pray for your Holy Spirit, like rain, to fall down upon us, to fill us, to use us, to touch our hearts so that we're different when we walk out than we were when we came in. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you. you. May be seated. Boys and girls, uh, before you go to class, I need to have your attention for just a moment. So if you qualify as a boy or a girl, would you raise your hand up? Hold it up real high. We got one over here, two over there, two over here, right back here. Anybody else? First, uh, all over there. Okay. Anybody else? Boys and girls, listen up. All right, listen up. How many of you have heard the term bullying? How many of you heard that term, bullying, to be a bully? 
Some of you have heard it, some of you haven't. Well, I'm going to tell you something. A few years ago, uh, the last few years, I've heard a lot about bullying in school or on the playground. When I was growing up in a land far, far away, long, long, long time ago, <laughs> we never heard the term bullying. But I had a neighbor boy who would beat me up routinely. Every chance he had, he would just uh, take, take out his whatever on, on me. And so I got to where I would be on the lookout for him. And if I saw him, I would go the other way. When I grew older, I figured out that a lot of bullies are really cowards. A lot of, a lot of bullies are all talk and no action. And sometimes you can figure that out. And I won't tell you how I figured that out. But anyhow, sometimes you can figure that out. Also, I figured out when I got a little smarter how to make friends with bullies so that I wasn't one of their targets. And that was a big revelation to me, and, and it worked out very well all the way through high school. Now, the Bible talks about bullies in 1 Timothy, in the in New Testament, chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. It says, so a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach or above re question. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or to be violent in words or deeds. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, not someone who loves to fight, and he must love not, not love money. So the golden rule would also apply when it says to do unto others as you would have them do unto you, Luke chapter 6, verse 31. So which leads me to this question, boys and girls. How many of you are a bully to other people? How many of you are a bully to other people? I hope you're not because as Christians, we're to obey as much of the word of God as we possibly can. And it's easy to quit being a bully. You just got to stop and you got to start treating people the way that you think Jesus would treat them. And Jesus was never, ever a bully. It's a little tougher to have a bully stop picking on you. The main thing that we can do, though, boys and girls, is to respect everybody, to be respectful of everyone we come in contact with, and don't pick on others, and others will be less likely to pick on you. Finally, treat people the way Jesus would treat them. You can't go wrong by following his example. So, boys and girls, I hope you learned that lesson, and moms and dads, works for us, too. It really does. Give it a shot. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? How would Jesus act? in every situation will save us a lot of grief and a lot of trouble. Okay, boys and girls, Sunday school classes right on over here. Go ahead and be dismissed. You who are in Sunday school, if you're not sure where your class is, wander over that way. If you're interested in going to class, then they will sort you out and put you in the right room. For the rest of you, Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter, you probably heard of the armor of God. I recently came across a daily devotional that was focused on the fact that the Christian life is a life of spiritual warfare. How many know the name Charles Wesley? Yeah, how many know the name John Wesley? That was his bro, right? Okay, or yeah. Charles Wesley, one of the founders of the Methodist Church, along with his brother John, wrote a song about the battle that Christians find themselves in, and he called it The Soldiers of Christ Arise. And here are the lyrics to it. Soldiers of Christ, arise and put your armor on, strong in the strength which God supplies through his eternal Son, strong in the Lord of hosts and in his mighty power, who in the strength of Jesus trusts is more than conqueror. Stand then in his great might with all his strength endued, 
and take to arm you for the fight, the Penelope of God, that having all things done and all your conflicts passed, you may overcome through Christ alone and stand entire at last. Leave no unguarded place, no weakness of the soul. Take every virtue, every grace, and fortify the whole. From strength to strength, go on, wrestle and fight and pray. Tread all the powers of darkness down and win the well-fought day. So to many Christians, again, life is kind of, um, it's just kind of a la-di-da, and we're going to coast through it, and it's going to be great. And Once I become a Christian, it's just a bed of roses, right? And they forget that roses have thorns, huh? And, and life is not just a bed of roses, and life is not just a Sunday school picnic, and life is not just a walk in the park. Christian living is a deadly, in reality, a deadly struggle between good and evil, between God and Satan. And we need to understand there are principalities and powers that we cannot see. There are those forces. And if you don't believe in angels, you need to restudy your, the Bible and you need to take a look at your theology. If you don't believe in angels and demons, demons being fallen angels who kept not their first estate, chose to rebel against God and became evil in their intentions and desires, you need to know about them. Because to fight the good fight, you've got to be prepared for battle. So Paul gives us insight into how we need to prepare in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 and 11. He says, finally, or henceforth, be strong, and it's in dunamau, in dunamau, which is the Greek, which means really to be strengthened. It's not, it's not something you can do. It's something that someone, namely God, does for you. So be strengthened is what he's saying. Um, it's found only in biblical and ecclesiastical Greek. It's not found in classical Greek. So this is a word unique to Christianity, really, and to the Word of God. So it means to be made strong or vigorous or strengthened, and God's the one who can do that. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, kratos, which means strength or might, uh, more especially power and dominion. So be strong in his might and his dominion. Put on, as in clothe yourself with, the full armor, panoplia, panoplia, we get the word Penoply, I'm probably not pronouncing it right. I, I don't know why I'm having trouble remembering how to pronounce that. But Penoply, Penoply, uh, the English word, which means the complete armor. It means the complete covering, offensive and defensive covering. Metaphorically, it speaks of our spiritual armor. Uh, take, put on this armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, these technical procedures, his battle strategies. He, he is very... Uh, wily. He is very, tr he, he is tricky. He is subtle. He is deceitful. In the garden, he, he didn't outright say God didn't say that. He questioned God. He questioned the word of God, rather, to Eve. Did God really say that you're not supposed to eat or even touch this? Did God really say that? And so it is that God questioned, or that Satan questions uh, the word of God even today. In Ephesians 4.14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every false wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. These are those individuals who are then influenced by Satan who then uh, mislead other people on purpose. In 1 Thessalonians 5.8, but let us who are of the day... Speaking of the light, uh, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for the helmet, the hope of salvation. And one more verse uh, associated with this, this idea of, and this train of thought. Romans 13, 12, the night is far spent 
the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. So God has this armor. I don't know about you. I've always been fascinated by the knights in shining armor, King Arthur's round table. I know it's all fiction, but uh, the idea of knighthood was not fiction. And they would have helmets, and they would have the breastplate, and they would have the coats of mail, and they would have the armor plating on all of their vital areas. And, uh, and it was always fascinating to me. And, and they, they, these huge uh, double-edged swords that they, would, uh, that they would fight with were amazing things. Or they would, uh, they would be on horseback and have the, what do they call that, jousting or something like that with, with poles and All that's fascinating to me, but I want you to know something. As a child of God, if you are a Christian, God has an armor for you. God has something that you need to put on. So as as followers of Christ, first of all, before I get ahead of myself, we are soldiers. We are soldiers. Men, women, teenagers, young people, we are soldiers. Paul was often chained to Roman soldiers and and in close proximity to them all the time. They were everywhere. And so he's the one who draws a parallel through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit between a Roman soldier and the the Christian soldier. And as such, we're called to do battle with the forces of evil, with the forces of Satan and with his demons. Is it any wonder that evil doesn't fight fairly? Does that surprise you that evil doesn't fight fairly? I I mean... they're, they're, they're sold out for their cause, which is anti-God, anti-good, anti-Jesus, anti-Holy Spirit, uh, humanism all the way. Humanism is their religion. Secularism is their way of living. It's their philosophy of life. So, so we're called to do battle with the forces of Satan and his demons. And needless to say, battles are not won while you're resting in the barracks. They're not won while we're stretching out, taking a nap. Battles sometimes find us in unexpected ways. I, uh, you've probably read, if you haven't read the book, Marcus Luttrell's book, uh, Lone Survivor, you've probably heard about it. And uh, it relates, as he relates his experiences, Marcus and his teammates were on a mission that was compromised quickly and went south in a very unexpected way. Uh, an incredible story. So if we're to be on the lookout for Satan's maneuvers. And by the way, I like the way that King James Version calls it the wiles of the devil. And like the little kid said, the willies of the devil. And I'll tell you what, the wiles of the devil ought to give you some willies. It ought to. Uh, because his battle plans uh, include ambushes and assaults outright and flanking attacks and diversions and chosen horses and, and a dozen other things. Not only are we as Christian soldiers to be disciplined and educated and exercised and alert as soldiers, but we must be attired for the fight. You guys and gals that go into battle, I don't care if it's on a battleship or an aircraft carrier or in an airplane or a jet or on the ground or in the water, in a boat, I don't care what it is, how you go into battle, swimsuits and flip-flops are not appropriate attire for literal warfare. Not usually. Seals maybe, but I don't know. But appropriate attire, boots, helmets, body armor, the like are needful, and so we, we must have the appropriate armor the Penelope, Penelope, I'm not, what? Penelope, Penelope. 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 Whatever. 
The armor of God. Amen to that, brother. That's good. Whatever you said, that's what it is. So soldiers of Christ need armor. In Ephesians 12 through 18, here's where we find the armor enumerated, the pieces of armor. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That means we're not in hand-to-hand combat with just mortals, mere mortals. If it were mere mortals, that would, be, that would be different entirely. Now, you who are soldiers out in the battlefield, you are wrestling with hand-to-hand combat, perhaps with mere mortals, with flesh and blood. But we as Christians in the Christian battle are, are not just wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And, and the word there means rulers, dominions, and authorities, uh, beyond flesh and blood, okay? Not just flesh and blood, beyond flesh and blood. And there is this hierarchy of spiritual beings. Did you know that? The, the hierarchy, the archangel, you talk about archangels. Satan was one time an angel of great rank and perhaps over all of the angels and his heart was lifted up in pride. He fell into sin. He made the bad choices. And, and so he was demoted in that sense, became the God of this world. But he still is a person of extreme power. He has great rule, great authority. So we don't wrestle against regular flesh and blood, regular people. We wrestle against flood, uh, principalities and against powers, exousia, the powers to do something, against rulers, literally uh, the Lord of this world is what it means, the rulers of this world, the Lord of the world, uh, and of the darkness, the sin and misery of this world. And, and the word for world there is ion as opposed to cosmos, which means a time or age as opposed to people or space. So this age we're living in is an age of spiritual battle. We're out there, we're out there on the battlefield every single day, whether you realize it or not. And if you're not taking advantage of, of, of going forward, when you have the opportunity, you're falling behind. You're getting defeated. We get defeated in our homes. We get defeated in, our, in the polling place. We get defeated in our neighborhoods. We get defeated at play. We get defeated everywhere we back up, everywhere we don't take a stand for Christ, everywhere we don't try to let the light of the gospel shine, then we take a back seat to it. So, but we are to, we're to take a stand against the rulers and against spiritual wickedness, evil and maliciousness in high places, which means the lower heavens, the seed of evil spirits. And by the way, that refers uh, not just to Satan as the God of this world, but it also refers to the socio-political structures of human society, as well as the unseen spiritual forces that are considered here. So we, we're, we're doing battle against this world system. Why do we shake our heads in unbelief at how crazy society is that uh, defund the police and riot and 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 wreak havoc and um and and we hear about these people who get released from for the most ridiculous reasons or, or not prosecuted for the most ridiculous reasons some clerical error and knowing full well that they committed the crime but some clerical error so they let them off and uh, and, and i mean the crazy things that go on in our society is because the the, the social political world itself is an enemy against God's rule and reign. Why are you all having trouble in school board meetings? Because it's a spiritual battle. And you need God going with you. You need to be right with God. You need to make sure you take the, the attack you take is not, uh, is not the weapons of carnality, but the weapons of spirituality. Being clothed in the armor of God. 
and, 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 and exercising prayer over all of that. So there, he says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. There's that word again. What's the word? Yeah. <laughs> that you may be able to withstand, which means stand against or hold the fortress and the evil day, having done all. In other words, having worked it all out to stand, to cause to stand a place. We are not to retreat. We are to stand. If anything, we're to advance. Advance when you can. Stand when you have to. But don't back up and don't retreat, no matter what the cost. We're to take up the entire provision of God's armor. So, this, so he begins to enumerate what those portions of armor are. First of all, there's the belt of truth. Warriors need absolute integrity. We need the truth. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. So what is, what is this belt? It's a belt. And, and they would... Sometimes where um, some of the people of the day would wear flowing garments and to keep them from becoming a tripping hazard and so on, they would gird them up. They would gather them up around the belt and, and hold them together. The, the armor, the belt for the soldier was a little more protective than just a regular belt as well, as you can see in the picture, a sample of that. Uh, so it's a belt, but it's also a piece of armor. And it's put on before the rest of the armor is put on. Whatever uh, clothing they have, they, then they would put the belt on, and then they would put the other armor on. And it speaks of girding up what's on the inside. And we need truth to gird up what's on the inside. We need to make sure what we believe is the truth. And the truth is the Word of God. And, and when, when philosophies or isms contradict the Word of God, the Word of God is always true. When preachers contradict the Word of God, the Word of God is always true. I've told you before, if I get up here and start preaching, in order to go to heaven, you've got to be able to stand on your head and spit wooden nickels. Get rid of me. I've gone off the rails, okay? If I start doing something, the Word of God is truth. There, there is no, there's nothing equal to it. There is no council of churches equal to the Word of God. There is no pope, Baptist, Catholic, or otherwise that's equal to the Word of God. There is nothing and no one else who is authoritative over the Word of God. It is supreme. It is the, it is the written Word. Jesus is the living Word, the Logos of God. So the belt of we need the truth. If we're to battle, we need to ensure that we're right on the inside, and the only way we can do that is when we have the truth dwelling within us. Secondly, there's the breastplate of righteousness. And this breastplate of righteousness, uh, people should see our good works. Verse 14, part B, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, this is our justification. It, it, this is not our imputed righteousness, but rather it's the uprightness of character. It's our loyalty to the principles of the Word of God. It's our actions in accordance with the holy law of God. It's what is seen. It's right there. Th that's what we show people is this breastplate of righteousness. Then shoes or sandals of peace. Good soldiers can be peacemakers. Uh, I wish that the United Nations had a better uh, record with their peacemakers uh, that go into conflicts and have gone into conflicts for all of my lifetime. Um, they don't necessarily, but, but good soldiers can be peacemakers. And some of uh, what we did uh, in Afghanistan, what we did in Iraq, uh, was to, to try to keep the peace from warring factions within these two uh, nations. 
So good soldiers can be peacemakers. Proper preparation requires the right shoes for a good foundation. Again, you're not going to go into battle, in, in traditional battle, with a pair of flip-flops and be very successful. You're not going to have good footing. You're going to be, you're going to stub your toe. You're going to, uh, the, shoe, the sandals are going to come off and then you're going to be walking around. So, so for the right foundation, the right footing, and to be able to stand firm against the foe. And I love the fact that these show uh, like brads or rivets or whatever on the soles of the shoes because uh, what they were designed to do was to make it possible for a person to stand and not to lose their footing. You watch football, very often you'll see people stand slide their feet slide out from under them and then sometimes they'll go over and they'll get a different pair of shoes depending on the condition of the field won't they they'll get one with longer cleats why do they do that so they can dig in deeper so they can have a better foundation so the roman soldiers and the christian soldier needs to have their feet shod, shod with the preparation of the gospel with those the right shoes we're able to stand firm against the foe and verse 15 says and your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace and in addition these shoes may arguably and i'm going to say something i don't want you to think it's heresy because you've probably never heard it before because i never heard it until i studied for this sermon the last couple of weeks and i heard it your shoes may arguably also be an offensive piece of armor Maybe an offensive piece of armor because we are to, as Christian soldiers, be proactively taking the gospel out to lost people. We ought to be proactively prepared, foundationally, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with us. That, that's a, that's a, a, an offensive thing. I don't mean offensive in the way of being offense, you know, being mean to people or hurting people's feelings. It, it is taking the initiative. It is taking the battle spiritually to people and, and shining light on the, on the darkness that they find themselves living in. So having the right shoes shed the preparation of the gospel of peace, you're taking it forward. So in a sense, it is an offensive part of the armor. Then there's the shield of faith for extinguishing all of Satan's doubts, fears, and fiery darts. And, I, and this was, I think, a good representation. You, you've probably all seen clips from films where Roman soldiers would advance and they would put their shields together and put them on top and in front, and they become impervious to attack, most attack, the fiery darts that's fired at them because these are covered uh, with metal or, or leather would quench the fiery dart. The, the, the arrows that were dipped in tar, set on fire and shot at people uh, would stick in the shield and, and then would extinguish because there was, it couldn't ignite the shields. So the shield of faith, above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you will, shall be able to quench all the fiery darts. Um, it's the faith. Our faith quenches the fiery darts of evil. Our faith is what moves us forward. Our faith is what causes us to be able to stand. Our faith, uh, next to uh, the, the shield, uh, is a great picture because not only is the shield a covering uh, against offensive weapons of the enemy, but it was also like a, a shape like a door. And, and, and interesting enough, the, word, the Greek word thyreos was used for the shield, which means a door. And in fact, faith is the door to Christianity. So faith is the door, and faith is how we stand, and faith is how we quench the fiery darts. It's faith. Faith is, a, is such an important thing. Faith produces hope. Faith 
that we'll see our loved ones again, Bill. Faith that my parents are in heaven. Faith because of, of the word of God and belief in the word of God uh, that one of these days Jesus is coming again. One of these days, that, that same Jesus who's, who the Bible tells us came that was going to come the first time and he came. That same Jesus who told us that he was going to die by crucifixion and he did. That same word of God that told us he was going to rise from the dead and he did says also that he's coming back again and he will. Amen. Faith assures us that there's a reason to hope. There's a reason to do the battle. There's a reason to keep on keeping on. And it's that shield that's the, the doorway into the faith living, and, and, and it covers us all. So it's the shield that holds us together to, to protect the group of soldiers hiding behind those shields. Then there's the helmet of salvation. To protect our minds, protect our brains. Take the helmet of salvation, verse 17. This implies that the helmet is a gift. He, he's saying, take the helmet. Here, take it. Receive it. It's a gift. This helmet of salvation is a gift, and salvation is a gift. We can't purchase it. We don't deserve it. Who in the world here thinks that you deserve the Son of Almighty God dying on the cross for your sins? I don't, I can't, I'm blown away by that thought even today. That the Son of God would take my sins, which are odious and numerous, and, and take them upon himself and die on that cross, the crucifixion, being separated from his heavenly Father for the first and only time ever. He did that for me. I don't deserve it. And he says here, here's salvation by grace through faith in my Son and what he did. So take the helmet of salvation. It's a gift. It saves us from the penalty of sin, which is eternal hell, separation from God. It takes, saves us from the power of sin. The helmet of salvation saves us from the power of sin, even sometimes the very presence of sin. Without the helmet of salvation, we'd be so easily, mortally wounded. Psalm 57, 4 and Psalm 140, verse 7 say the same exact words. Oh God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation, you have covered my head in the day of battle. You have covered, he is my helmet. He is my salvation. And then there's, of course, the sword of the Spirit. The Bible is our other offensive weapon if we grant that the shoes can be an offensive weapon because they are involved with the propagation of the gospel, taking and advancing into the kingdom of darkness with the message of light. So then the sword of the Spirit, the Bible, is our offensive weapon. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, verse 17. And often the word in God, of God is called a sword. In Hebrews chapter 4, and verse 12, the Bible says the word of God is powerful, it's quick and powerful, which means living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and of spirit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God, the sword, the sword of God cuts right to the quick, doesn't it? It cuts right all the way to the issue, gets right to the heart of the matter. So go forward with the, the sword of the Spirit. A guy used to carry New Testament with him all the time. He'd carry it uh, back before you had phones. You know, we got the whole Bible. And, 
and now I've got, I've got my whole library. I've got like, I, I think it's 5,000 different books on, on this little device right here. But back in the day when you carry New Testament, I used to do that. I, I, I talked about, oh, you got the sword of the Spirit. He said, no, this is my dagger. This is the sword. The New Testament was the dagger, but the Old Testament was the sword. So here's the thing. That's the armor of God. Armor, as wonderful as it is, as amazing as it is, armor alone is not enough. Just being a Christian is not enough. Just knowing about the armor and appropriating it is not enough. There's another necessary ingredient in this context, in this same passage in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication of the saints. So prayer cannot be described as part of the armor, really, but as a description of the Christian's equipment for the conflict. It is part of what is necessary to go into battle. Absolutely necessary. We can be attired with the armor of God. What's that word again? Yeah. We can be attired in the armor of God, but if we don't pray, we can come here on Sunday morning. You know what I do every Sunday morning? You know what I do every Saturday night, every Sunday morning? I pray for this service because I don't care how much I've studied. I don't care what material I have. I don't care what illustrations I use. I don't care if I don't have this message and this time bathed in prayer. It's a waste of your time. And people may come here and walk out lost as they were when they came in and maybe more confused than they were when they came in. But God, I have prayer. This watchfulness and discipline is not a pure matter of human striving, but rather it's prayer in the Spirit. Prayer in the Spirit. Romans 8, 26, likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. Any of you infirm? I think I told you last week, I'm, I'm so impressed with the fact that I climbed up in this stupid tree and was cutting down some tree the other day. And I, I woke up the night before, I think I told you about this, I woke up the night before and I was like, what are you thinking? What are you going to do? You're going to... You're going to climb up on a tree. You're going to cut down branches, Chuck. You, you're going you're gonna, to... I'm at the point of life where when I've been watching TV for more than an hour, it takes me about a minute and a half to stand up. <laughs> I don't stand up all at once. I stand up in, in, in kind of installments. <laughs> and I'm going to climb up on a tree, cut down branches? What is the matter with me? Infirmities, we have them, lots of them, physical infirmities, spiritual infirmities. Hearts need pacemakers and, and little, what do they call that, cattle prod or something? If it stops, where it boom, zaps you. Sometimes we need bypass surgery. Sometimes, I mean, you know, we just need all this. I mean, we have these infirmities, but the Spirit helps those weaknesses, not just the physical weaknesses, but the spiritual weaknesses we all have. For we know not what we should pray as we ought. Sometimes I don't know what to pray. You ever get to that point? There's a situation and you're like, you know, Lord, I, 
I try to pray by, when I get confused, I try to go to the principles of the Word of God because that gives guidance, you know, and, and, and how do I pray in this situation? But sometimes situations pop up. It's like, I don't know. Lord, I don't know what to pray. I don't know to pray for A or pray for B. I don't know which one's the best. Lord, not my will, but thine be done. I, I, a lot of times I pray that. Not my will, I don't know. But listen to what the Spirit does. He makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit of God, the omniscient, omnipotent Holy Spirit of God prays for this infirm preacher. And he prays for you. He prays for you. Next point, battle is not just ours. This is good to know. Battle's not just ours. Second Chronicles 2015, he said, Hearken you, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. I love that. Don't worry about all these people. I, who was it? Was it Elijah or Elisha who, whose servant got up in the morning and there, and there were enemies everywhere and he was like, oh, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? And Elijah or Elisha, one or the other, said, Lord, open his eyes. And he opened his eyes and all of a sudden he saw the valleys and the mountains filled with angelic warriors. I get goosebumps thinking about that. Battle's not ours, it's God's. God has a battle plan. Our part is to know when to infill and exfill. Our part is to know how to do our job in this army. Our part is to endure hardness as a good soldier. You know, when I was a kid watching soldier movies, and by the way, I grew up watching, you know, I mean, all these John Wayne and every kind of a soldier movie you could think of, every kind of an army movie you could think of, you know, talking about Iwo Jima, talking about Porkchop Hill, talking about, I mean, you name it, all these, that was a, that was a movie now, it's not, I'm not talking about food, Porkchop Hill, huh, did I say something wrong, <laughs> all right, but you know, I never, I always, when I would watch these things, here's John Wayne or Audie Murphy or whoever else, you know, and they're like, you know, their hair's all in place and they're machine gunning down with about a thousand enemies, you know, and, and, uh, and everything's fine. You know what I figured out, though? And you guys who are, and gals who are in the military know this. I mean, this is, should be simple, but I, I just didn't know it at the time as a little kid. There are days when you don't feel good and you still have to do battle. There are days when you're sick. There are days when you, you're, you're, you have stomach flu and, and, and you're being attacked. You can't say to the enemy, hey, look, could you wait and come back tomorrow about the same time because I'm not feeling good right now? <laughs> or maybe you've got, like Marcus would tell, you've got a couple of bullet holes in you or you've got a broken or sprained leg and you still have to do battle. And, and, and that's why the Bible says endure hardness as a good soldier. Endure it. So ours is to do what he's called us to do. Ours is to be present. Ours is to not be absent without leave. Reflect on the words of a fellow named Maltby Babcock. He says, we're not here to play, 
to dream, to drift. We have hard work to do and loads to lift. Shun not the struggle. We run from it sometimes, don't we? Shun not the struggle. Face it. It's just God's gift. Charles Wesley knew that the Christian life was warfare. And many times both Charles and John were physically abused for their evangelical work. And the hymn we quoted at the very beginning has been called by some the Christian's bugle blast for its call to arms. You know the one song I remember growing up singing as a kid? Onward Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. Well, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, and 8, thanks be to God who gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory is ours. We are going to be victorious. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The blood you shed, the tears you shed, the sweat you shed, uh, all of that is going to avail something at some point. Philippians 1, 27, I'll let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your, your affairs. And then he says to them, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Striving together. Let's lock arms. Let's march forward. Let's be on the advance. Let's, let's, let's not retreat. Let's not give up. Let's not hide. Let's not be terrified by adversaries, he says in Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 28. For unto you is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art called and have possessed a good profession before many witnesses. And then he says in 1 Timothy 2.3, Endure hardness as a good soldier. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You got the armor on? All of it that's available? Are you bathing it all in prayer? As you do battle with Satan, as he tries to fight your home and your marriage, as he tries to come between you and your kids, your parents, as he brings pressure and, op and opposition at work from fellow employees, from bosses, from CEOs, from other personnel. Are you ready? Are you, are, are you ready to do battle? Not until you've visited Ephesians chapter 6 and made application. By the way, today begins Hanukkah which will continue for eight days and nights. I, I'm sure I knew this before, but I had forgotten that Hanukkah is a celebration. It's a Jewish festival commemorating the recovery of Jerusalem and the rededication of the Second Temple. It's the result of the Maccabean Re Revolution against the Greek Empire in the second century B.C., so born out of battle and victory was Hanukkah. 
And each night a candle is lit, and one of the blessings includes these words. We kindle these lights for the miracles and the wonders, for the redemption and the battles that you made for our forefathers. The battles. So in the light of that, may I encourage you, members, visitors, First Baptist Church, to don your Christian armor, to bathe our marching orders in prayer, and to go forward from this place to the battlefield. It's outside the doors. That's the battlefield for the sake of our commander-in-chief, Lord Jesus Christ. Bow with me, please, in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, what an awesome thought, what heavy thoughts that we're in warfare with not omnipotent spirit beings, but we're in warfare with very powerful enemies in spiritual places. Even Satan himself is not omnipotent. Only you are, God. And we're grateful for that. But it should not surprise us, Lord, when we find ourselves against overwhelming odds. At least they would appear overwhelming until we put on our armor that you provided. Until we pray. And even if we wind up on a stake being burned alive, like Polycarp, we can sing praises to your name. And even if dipped in a vat of boiling oil like John, we can still write of your glory as he did on the Isle of Patmos. And even if we face what Wycliffe faced for simply making the Bible available to people in their language, and even though he died, he was victorious because having done all, he stood. So God, give us resolve, give us determination, give us faith, gird us about, shield us, protect us, and help us to wield the sword of the Spirit and plant the gospel seed everywhere we go. We pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Would you stand with us, please? If God's calling you to ministry of some kind, if God's wanting you to receive Christ as your personal Savior right now today, we can show you in just a few moments how to do that. If you're not certain that if you walk out of here today that you'd be in heaven if something happened to you and you died today, would you give us that opportunity of sharing that with you? Just come and let us know, and we'll pray for you right now in this service. That's what this invitation is all about. So as our praise team leads us in a, in a verse or two of song, if you want to come join, want to come be baptized, present yourself as a candidate for baptism, want to come and receive Christ as your Savior, want to come for prayer, come on right now as they sing. Come on.
having a baptismal service. Uh, whenever they determine they uh, are ready to be baptized, they uh, so be praying for them. We're glad for that. And I hope that I hope that you've made some kind of a commitment, some kind of a decision in your life. I know I did in preparing this message. And you know what? When when it's you talk about two-edged sword, when you prepare something to get you guys. It's two edges, right? It gets both ways. So thank you so much for being in God's house today. Um, military folks, um, lunch will be served at some point next door. What, hope, what, what should they do? Come on over or hang around or what? Come on over right next door, okay? And uh, you're invited. Father, go with us now as we go with God. Meet our needs, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Shake hands with people on the way out.